Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. Really nice shape hat. Cage, we're going to have a fun episode today. I'm excited. Are, are you excited? I am. I am. Are you ready you to know, have some fun? Yes. I mean, it's the, it's the last coffee with Cage before the national, so we get to talk about that. You know, I'm sure next week's will be fun, too. Um, you know, basically everybody we speak to, you know, mentions this episode as the cool question and answer, the one that we get, you know, the closest to our, you know, our community, Luca Nation. They get to basically steer where we go with this. So... Um, it's our most listened to episode. Sorry, Nat Turner. Sorry, Gary V. But you check out most listened to episodes. It's Coffee with Cage. I think you do a very good job with it. So, you know, we call it Coffee with Cage, but it is it basically, it should be Coffee with Cage brought to you by Andrew. Because, you know, you basically, I, I'm a lunatic, man. I'm, I'm a runaway train. Not many people can keep me on a track. So you do a good job with it. We get to meet on Thursday. We got oh, yeah. we, we get to really find out what this train is all about. Uh, oh, yeah. We've done this whole thing for a year. We've we've never met, so uh, I'm really looking forward awesome. to it. I still like I expect I expect that. a huge bug, a I huge may, hug. I may hide from you because it's a really cool reaction we get from people when we're like, "Yeah, we've been doing this for a year. We've never met." Like we're not gonna be able to say that anymore after a couple more days. So that's gonna be interesting. I'm not gonna have that line. Sad, sad, sad. So make fun of me for my reel. Make fun of me. Come on, I got a lot of people dancing. I thought it was catchy. <laughs> I, I thought the song choice was catchy. It's like. Who, who who put it in there? It's like it's like Night of the Rocks, Gary. Are you guys brothers? No. Yes. Baby, don't hurt me. No, you're doing L- you know you know the movie. You don't know the movie. Yes. I, I do know that movie. Okay, I do know that movie. Hundred percent. Nice. I watched one. two movies this weekend, Cage. I watched uh, Gladiator, all time nice. favorite. That's uh, it's good, right? Yeah. And then you know the part that's gross favorite part. And then I watched Remember the Titans. So you're talking about when uh, refresh my recollection, but aren't the uh, the Battle of Carthage? The slaves are not supposed to win, and you know everybody's cheering for Maximus, and he's killing yeah. people, and everyone's like, "Ooh!" And he's like, "Ooh!" You know, yeah. like, that's the most favorite part. He's like, "Ooh!" Like he's unimpressed. So you watch that and remember the Titans. He said, "Dude, that's right. We're going to the national. Have fun. We're not going into war." Like the movies you chose, it's like, what are you getting yourself amped up? Like you're, you know, you're getting like, you're going to, we want a battle. We've never met, but I think you you understand me better than most. Yeah, I mean, well, listen, we've talked every day for a year now. I think I'm inside your brain, as scary as it is. If that's the case, I think people closest to me will agree that I've become a better person. And with oh, that, yeah, I like it. It's a love fest Jordan, today. Jordan Ferone's in the comments. We got Will Martin Ooh. in the comments. I know this is already going to be a great episode. Can I say Jordan Ferone's coming to National? I'm I'm very excited about meeting him. Very very excited. Jordan was you know Jordan made if you go through our our um you know our posts on our on our page some of the some of the best videos we have on there are made by Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um you know when we brought on uh, Conrad he made that decision video which is hilarious that PSA ten tasting meme type video it's all all from the mind of Jordan Ferone so can't wait to meet him maybe do some you know video work with him and if you guys happen to be listening to this and you're a content creator or you listen to this you know down the road and you're like wow a video guy reach out to jordan man he's really good at what he does 
when we when Jordan and I worked together, it kind of reminded me of that relationship of like the younger brother who secretly wanted to be the older brother. <laughs> but which one was which? <laughs> let's leave that for you know. Have, let's let let's let let's let everyone ponder who's the little brother. All right, let's talk. Can we start with NFTs? Is that okay? Of course, dude. You can start with anyone. And I'm going to tell you again. I have not read any of these questions. I try to stay away. Andrew Post. I literally just ran in here. I'm sorry for being a couple minutes late. I just went food shopping with my kids. They're putting the groceries away, so that's going to be a mess when this episode's done. I'm going to have you know bacon in the freezer. I'm going to have ice cream in the cabinet. You put just, bacon in the freezer? No, but the kids are putting the groceries away. That was the joke, man. See, so they can trick. They can handle it. They're, they're eight and eleven. Yeah, if they can't well, do that. We'll if see. They can't do that. Come on. We'll now. see. We'll see. All right. I want to start with this because um, this question—it's not just about NFTs. It's literally like fundamental to what I talk about, and it's mm -hmm. how strategies on one marketplace apply to a different marketplace, and they teach you a lot about the card hobby overall. And I think you'll have a good answer. So, Wax Pack Legends asks: You had a lot of success on Top Shot. Now you're getting started with Panini NFTs. What strategies are you using from Top Shot to succeed on Panini? Um, it's a great question. I'll take my own answer of this first and then answer that question. Um, I'm not levering into Panini fully just yet because there are some issues with their site that they need to fix. Uh, the Top Shot user experience was really clean and you would figure Panini would just kind of, you know, figure that out. They're announcing that they're going to make changes. There are some parts of it that should be easier that are actually harder. And as we speak, as we record this, believe it or not, I am not able to buy or sell on the Panini site right now for the whole weekend, pretty much, because of some error message. And of course, customer service is not available on the weekends for Panini. It's not like Top Shot where you're able to, like, you know, send a DM to somebody on Twitter and get something taken care of. Um, but, you know, they've lost some money this weekend because I'm not buying, and and that's the kind of thing that can turn somebody off. Um, also, you know, people don't want to be bored with that stuff. They get something they want to, you know, keep momentum going, and that kind of kills momentum. Um, and that's no fun. So the strategy using Top Shot to see it on Panini, right? So um, if you look back at, you know, what Top Shot looked like, you know, as it, before it kind of exploded in, in January, you were able to find guys that were not the biggest names like LeBron, right? Everybody knows LeBron, but people don't know that hobby next year. Now everybody knows Giannis. So Giannis is not going to surprise anybody. not going to sneak up on anybody, right? But people don't, don't know Trey. The people don't know Tatum. You know, people don't know a lot of these, these you know, what I'd call the second tier guys, guys who don't get hobby love and guys who have lost a little bit of hobby love, um, you know, because of a, a postseason lack of performance or whatever the reason is. Um, and what my strategy is exactly what I did on Top Shot. I mean, I was buying Kobe White's, you know, for three bucks and telling everybody out there, buy him for three bucks. And, you know, those $3 moments went to what, like 100 at one point in time, like 30x. Um you know, I, I don't expect the same type of, you know, of thing to repeat itself with Panini. I really don't. Um, but it's really in its infancy. You know, I think the Discord channel has something like 1,800 total users. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's definitely got some some room to grow. But, yeah, that, if you're talking Waxback Legend, you're talking about, like, strategies I take over. It's, it's you know, the obvious stuff people are going to be on, right? People are going to be on LeBron. People are going to be on Luca. People are going to be on Zion because everybody knows them. But the next level, when the hobby folks, the people who know basketball, people who know cards come into that, that's what kind of blew up and worked in Top Shot. And that's what I expect to kind of happen here as well. That next level that hasn't been already, you know, bought up. That's that's kind of what I'm taking over from Top Shot. Let me give you guys three things that, that I've taken away. Cage, everything you just mentioned, 
hundred percent. So but I know you talked about this, right? About like learning about like players and stuff. So go for it, please. So one example today, uh, if you guys notice, let's say we're LaMelo base. So a base card in NFT is out of 1799. The silver is out of 149 and the throwback was out of 500. So let's just use the LaMelo rookie base out of 1799. The ones that are serial numbered around 20 to 100, right now they sell for a premium. Have you noticed that to the other base cards? Mm-hmm. So if you're holding those, this is, I saw this from Top Shot and I'm applying this to Panini FTs. I think now is a good time to sell those, right? Here's why. The 20 to 100 really aren't going to be that sought after. They seem like they're sought after, but they're not. But people are paying a 30, 40% premium. So if you have those moments when the market's hot, not just now, when the market's hot, it's always great to sell those 20 to 100, in my opinion, because they don't really have long-term value. And really what you want to do is start to color up, and this again from Top Shot, from holding bases that are 1799 to silvers, and jersey number ones or zero number ones. And that same thing that happened with Top Shot, you could do with Panini NFTs. Makes sense. It all makes sense. You agree with those? Yeah, 100%. I'd be doing it myself if, if they let me buy. <laughs> I have a different question for you. It was a conversation I was having with my buddy, bro. He's coming to National. You guys are going to meet him. It's going to be so much fun. He brought up a good point, And my, my, my instinct was no, but it made sense. Is the hobby a zero-sum game? No. I mean, like, in what way, right? Are you talking about, like, individual investments or are you talking about... Individual investments. No, I don't think it is. Um, I I mean, what's funny about it is I kind of know where that's going and I don't want to, like, go down the road of zero-sum game because I might talk myself into it and then not be happy with all the purchases that well, I've made. <laughs> let, me, let me contextualize it, guys. Sure. And by the way, so uh, I don't know if you, you guys listening on audio are aware of this, but uh, our episodes now that air on YouTube, they all have timestamps. So you could go and choose the question or the topics that you want to listen to. So Because we understand the episodes 40, 50, uh, 60 minutes. Can't always listen all the way through. So these are all going to be timestamped. All these questions will be. Brof is someone who's gotten into the hobby three, four, five, six months ago. Mm-hmm. So to the naked eye, it appears that he is, that it is a zero-sum game. We buy a card. That means that card is not going to go up and someone else gets the money. But in reality, it, it's not the case. One example I gave, Cage, was um, when you sell an uh, a, a card, whatever it is, an NFT, whatever you own, for 10 to 20% below eBay comps, kind of leaving a little meat on the bone for the buyer. You get your profit. You win. But the buyer's always also a little bit of profit. Bro Namath talks about this. Ten, you do this all the time. So the, the buyer is also in a bit of profit. So that way, both parties win. Do so you I think mean, it's a zero sum game? No, I mean, and so so I guess we'll we'll flesh out the question, right? Um, when you buy a stock, is it a zero sum game? Right? Is it? Is it? It's not. Obviously, you're buying that stock. You're buying that card. You're buying the item, an investment item. Because you think it's it's worth more than that, or you think over time it will be worth more than that, right? So, so you know, Brof's example or anybody's example, yes, you're buying something from someone at a price, but that transaction it's two sided. It's it's almost a bet, right? The person who's buying that card is making a bet that it is going to go up. The person selling the card, it doesn't necessarily mean that it that they think it's going to go down, but they they may think it may go down. They also may think that they can put that money into something else that may go up at a better pace or a quicker pace 
so that they can they can utilize their money somewhere else better than it being in, in that item. So that's I mean, it's definitely not a zero sum, right? I mean, like you know the the and you know anybody and Brove just gotten into this, but anybody who's been in the hobby the last couple of of years and has been listening to our podcast knows. I say all the time, the rising tide lifts all ships, right? And it really has been the case in, in the hobby, right? You know, people saw that 86 Jordan go up, and then people were looking for the Elijah one. The Elijah one went up. The Ewing went up. The Dominique Wilkins went up. Everything went up with it, right? So so it's the same type of, of, of principle with all this stuff, and whether you're talking about NFTs or, or anything, right? You know, the whole market, a whole sector can go up. Right, that's when the Dow goes up. All the most of the stocks that are in it are going up. When when microchips go up, all the stocks go up. Right, you know, and and or go down. Right. So I, I mean, I don't look at it that way. I look at it. You have to look at it like you know any other investment piece. Right. And if I'm buying something, it's because I think it's it's got value more than what somebody's willing to sell me that piece for. Let me uh, actually say what's up to Drake. What's up, gentlemen? We're excited to meet you in a few days. Excited up, to Drake? meet you, Drake. Cage, good question here. Uh, Joe Lacanti Payne asks: If you were chosen, if you were chosen to put one athlete on the dollar bill, who would it be and why? Hmm, that's a great question, Joe Lacanti Payne. If I were chosen, if I were chosen to put one athlete on the dollar bill, who would it be and why? I am going to say Jim Thorpe. Jim Thorpe is who I put on the dollar bill. Who is that? So that's why I did it, right? So Jim Thorpe uh, was was called the the greatest athlete of the half century. Uh, Native American, which you know, let's give a little a little, a little love to them. Put him on the dollar bill. They were here first, um, and one of the greatest athletes of all time. Multi sports. God, look him up, man. Great football player. You've never heard of Jim Thorpe? I'm pretty sure there's awards named after him. No? All right, so you want I've me to go with the, something? I've heard, the, I've heard the name. I just don't know anything about him. So you want me to try to pick a more modern uh, name than Jim Thorpe? So I'm trying to say one athlete on the dollar bill, right? That, that's an athlete who covers multiple sports and, you know, obviously. Oh, he's a football player. He threw the discus. Yep. Yeah, dude. He was a, all right. He was a, I, a I see. Athlete, he's, right? he's, uh, uh, he's an all-American I, I, guy. I try to skew, yeah, I try to skew it also towards, like, you know, like a multi-sport athlete. That way you're not just, like, putting one sport. Like, Bo Jackson would be an interesting one to put on there as well. Um, but I don't know, man. One sport to put uh, – one athlete to put on the dollar bill. Who would Pat, Till, Pat Tillman. I mean, that's a good one too. Very, you know, very patriotic choice. That's a good one as well. Um, that's cool. I mean, we, we just gave three. Um, how about Ka- – Colin Kaepernick. How about – I'm going to go back to one of my plays, guys. Maybe you can go back and, and find this. I'm going to say Dottie Kamenchek. I'm going to put her on the dollar bill. If you guys don't know who that is, that's who Dottie Henson was based after in the All-American Girls League. Ted Williams is a good one, Dave. All-American, so I'm an All-American doll. It's, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the Field of Dreams – not Field of Dreams, the League of Their Own movie is based on that All-American Girls Baseball League. Um, I think that would be pretty cool. Thorpe was the greatest athlete the first half of the 20th century. Dave knows. I think it was, I think it was King Gustav of Sweden who said he was the, the best athlete, the athlete of the half century. Gustav. I don't know I've if you guys. Uh, second grade. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen. I don't. I, it's. I'm. It's slipping me what it's called, but it's like. Um, it's like the dynamic bar graphs. Have you seen those on Twitter? Yeah. Where like uh, they move over the years. Look at like um, American or just like gold medals in the Olympic Games over time. It's amazing. America so just demolishes medal. everyone. 
do I have San Francisco connections or just enjoying the colors today? So I buy a hat uh, when I go. I try when I travel for business, Dave, to get to a baseball game. <laughs> and I went to a San Francisco game uh, maybe three years ago for work. Um, I was out there um, helping on a project in Santa Clara. Um, and uh, I bought this when I went to go see it. I also bought a crab cake, Dave. Good crab cakes at San Francisco at the stadium. So I'm not exactly a fan, although this year I did pick them. Uh, it's just I try to rotate the hats, you know. I got a San Diego hat, which is pretty cool too. I think I got a – in here I got a San Diego uh, shirt from when I went to the game, the brown and yellow. You know, you got to go with the classic brown and yellow. But that's it, little, little San Francisco hat. It fits well. Cage, so this yep. – I have no idea what this means. I had to look this up, but I think this is kind of cool. We're going to get into some really good Scared questions. <laughs> I hope I Uber Collector it. says yesterday it was oh. yesterday was the 30th, 38th anniversary of the Pine Tar incident. What a moment in MLB history. For people who don't, don't know, what's the Pine Tar incident? So Uber Collector, I love this guy, right? Listens to all of our episodes, giving me great questions, great topics to, you know, to bring up as well. But the best part about this topic is I'll talk about it, but it leads to a layer beneath it, which is Jim Thorpe I just talked about, Dottie Kamenchuk I just talked about. Nobody knows who either of those people are. Bo Jackson people understand, but but it's before their time. And you are like, what is this incident, 38th anniversary of the Pine Tar incident? What does that even mean? And it's funny because you know people don't realize there's a lot of layers to collecting. Uber Collector, they haven't seen his page. He's got a hell of a collection. Me and Andrew are going to buy it one day. Uh, got some really cool stuff. Um but he's a firefighter, right? Yep. Out of uh, Arizona. Yeah, his mm-hmm. collection is very different than what most people who got in the hobby the last couple of years would collect. A lot, a lot more vintage, what you call vintage, um, and a lot less modern and that kind of stuff. Well, it's modern in it as well. But what's funny is, I mean, we would think, I would think, what a great topic that is. And Darren Ravel posted that he had a, a ticket of it. P. Ryan has a ticket of of that pine tar incident, and um, you know. It's, I mean, it's interesting stuff, right? So this is George Brett, right? So in a game against the Yankees, George Brett hit a home run and the Yankees kind of, you know, called over to the umps. It's, it's pretty relevant impression for today's game because of all the stuff we got going on with the sticky stuff, you know, with, with cracking down on the pitchers. And the Yankees called over the ump. They looked at the bat. They did a whole, like, examination of it, the whole deal. And they look at it and they said, all right, you know, it, it violates the rules. The pine tars, you know, it's too much on the bat. It's too high up. You know, give him an advantage. He was able to, you know, like hang on to the bat. Whatever they, whatever the, whatever the deal is. But you've seen the footage of it, dude. It, it's George Brett in the dugout, and they like called him out, and he comes darting out of the dugout and has to be restrained by like half the team because he was basically going to murder the umps. That's the Pine Tar incident. So search George Brett Vegas. You'll enjoy him retelling a story. Okay, I mean it's a good one, Adam. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll take a look at that. George Brett or Adrian Beltre. Beltre is an interesting one too. Beltre's got uh, he doesn't he's the one who, he doesn't like people touching his head, so everybody touches his head. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but, but the the Courtney buys a blanket. I mean, that's cool. So, but but the the deal on this one here is um, what's funny about this topic is for probably eighty percent of our audience, they won't care, and that's an interesting thing to bring up for our community, right? Because we, we hammer home supply and demand, supply and demand, supply and demand. And I'll tell you, if you were a collector in the 80s, that 75 top set, it was all about George Brett, Robin Young, the cool set, rookies. And those cards in high grade, they still, they still garner a huge, huge premium. 
there's not that many PSA 10s of them that are real condition sensitive. Kind of like Ricky Henderson, um, that PSA 10 from 80 tops. But most people do not care about George Brett. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm not trying to insult the people who do. But if you're in this hobby and you're doing more than just kind of building up a PC of what you like and what you love, everybody says buy what you love. Well, you may love George Brett cards. You may love George Brett. You may love the Pintar incident. But I'll tell you that, that there are a huge segment of the hobby that will never have any demand for that. Even though it's a cool story, it's a cool thing that happened, it's just way before their time. And George Brett and even that incident, which is a cool baseball story, it doesn't transcend the way that a Ted Williams does or a Babe Ruth does. So I'm not trying to expand this to like anything old, like no one's going to care about anything old. Obviously, there are goats. There are all those players that transcend and will always have demand. George Brett and you know his Pintar incident, I don't think rises to that level. Does that make sense? A thousand percent. But let me give you a counter argument. There are legends who haven't had movies made about them yet. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's also that angle. You can be that type of investor that picks out legends who are under the radar with the potential of, hey, if this ever is produced into a Netflix doc, an Amazon Prime doc, anything like that, it could catch fire, right? Because it's about storytelling. It's not that the story didn't happen. It's just that people aren't aware of it, but that could change quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely one of the iconic baseball moments in the last half century. Like any baseball montage, you'll see Brett running out like a lunatic being restrained. And that's that moment. That's today's anniversary. Double coverage in the house. What's up, guys? What did you guys uh, – how how did that episode with double coverage go yesterday? Ooh, you got to play it. You got to play it. It was a good episode. I told I told some stories that I haven't told, you know, anywhere in 380-something episodes. It's pretty cool, you know, some, some good stuff. Told the Ian – Pulsar story. Hopefully, Ian doesn't hear the episode because I actually gave the real ending. You know that, that I, Ian, two years later, still thinks it's a PSA, and I just sold it. So yeah, maybe at the national, somebody's got one of those for me. I'll, I'll sneak it in and say, "Hey, look what PSA sent back." You never know. But it was good. Those guys—they're really holding it down down in Australia. Crazy times over there. You know, no lockdown, then lockdown again. Um, you know, they can't get out. They can't come to the national, which I would. I'd gladly do some breaks and whatever to get. I'd, I'd, I'd help, you know, pay the freight to get those guys over there. They, you know, they're really holding it down in, in Australia. Um, you know, they've got some big things going on as well. And uh, they told me, Andrew, you're huge in Australia. They said, you're like, it's like you. I mean, like, it's Crocodile Dundee, um, Koalas, and then you, and then Outback Steakhouse. All I really ask for is when I make my trip down there, because I, lo- I love Bali, too, and Bali's right near right near there. So I'm definitely going to go to Australia one day. I just want to play some footy. I just want to play some footy with the, the well, cherry listen. collectible guys, the double coverage guys and have some fun. Here's the thing. So those guys, they're like manly men. They don't want you playing with their feet. So I don't, I don't know what you're thinking about doing. So don't, you're not going to be playing footsie with them. So just whatever, just be nice. Don't take your feet, your shoes off and play footsies. Are you talking about soccer? I get it now. I get it now. You want to Dude, your comment about is Ronaldinho an F1 driver was an all-time just the If we were in the same room, I would have, I would have I would have left. Oh, was... but dude, you would love that. By the way, we got some great comments about that. How I, I'm poking you and you were really They're not great crazy. comments. They just they're not sure if you're an idiot or not. They're legit. <laughs> oh, they know I'm an idiot. They know uh, I'm an idiot. Guys, I'm going to get to the questions in the comments, but this is a, a question that's come up maybe 3-4 times and I want to I want to add it right here. So People want to know about the market after national. Okay. So juice juice cards asks, how do you see the market the week after nationals? Uh, seems people are dumping a bunch of stuff at bargain to liquidate for, 
I guess it's national, singular, uh, for national. What will be the effect two to four weeks from now? I think you're going to see the same thing in the, in the weeks leading up and in the weeks after, right? Because what you have is people liquidating now to buy, right, which is fine. And that's a, a segment. But I think there are also going to be people there who go and find that card that they may have to be a little leveraged on. You know, we've all done it. We've all bid a little more than we expected to bid on an auction somewhere. And then the weeks following it, you have to be like, wow, I got to I got to pay for that. I got to pay for that trip. I got to pay for the stuff I did while I was there. I got to pay for my airfare. I got a credit card bill coming. And then all of a sudden now it becomes another time to liquidate more cards as well. The stuff that's not, you know, necessary, you know, for your PC, the stuff that's fringe. I'd be a little nervous if I were holding. I always talk about the fringe stuff. I'd be nervous if I were holding F1. I'd be nervous if I were holding tennis. I'd be nervous if I were holding golf unless that might. You know, my thing, you might have some bargains in there because, you know, people are less likely to, to sell their central PC pieces, more likely to sell some of that ancillary stuff. Leave some bargains on PSA 9s. I'm probably going to be giving away PSA 9s at the show. <laughs> Who wants a 9? You get a 9. You get a 9. You get a Ronaldinho jersey. You get a... You're, you're, a, PSA, you're a PSA 10 slob. I am, man. I love 10s. I love 10s. Dude, some great comments here. So Rookie Mania says, hey, guys, great episode last night. Interesting story about the Zard auction. Yeah, man. People don't even know that even happened. I haven't seen any posts about it. Cardfucius says <laughs> you can read that if you want. Yeah. He says uh, the ump would have worked bread over. Sometimes, man, you know, look, they got some pads on the umps and yeah. stuff like that. But you never you never know. But listen, back then, they might have they might have let him go. Brett said enough stuff. They might. It's a very different sport now. You know, I mean, uh, the umps had his bat, too, so. All the other people deserve a week. Kurt Warner is getting one. William Martin, a lot of people don't know Kurt Warner and his story. I agree with you because you could see how Disney would start that off, right? You could see how the Netflix special would start it off with Kurt Warner literally stocking groceries to start the movie off, right? And that was what he was doing, right? And then playing for the, was the Iowa Barnstormers or something like that in the Arena Football League. And from that to, you know, MVP, Super Bowl winner, um, and doesn't he have the like greatest show on turf? And he has like 117 children or something like that as well. So I mean, it really would work out nicely, you know, for the movie. He does. Um, I, this is the best take of the day. <laughs> K- Joe Vargas, I couldn't agree with okay. you more. Cage I'll was bugging on the Ronaldinho so take. I'll say right now, Andrew. Was Double coverage says yes. F1 top chrome silver is ultimate chase. Card. Listen, Andrew was legitimately angry, which is it's. I, I want to say scary to me. It sort of is because the dude he like shits rainbows. Okay, he's like positivity personified, right? It's like, I'm going to come in. He's always telling me I should go get a massage. I hope he's not offering one. But he's telling me, go do yoga, like take care of you. Like, it's always this like positivity. Like People think I, sh- I shit rainbows. Yeah. I'm the biggest stoner in the world. <laughs> the, the, the picture, he's always positive. The, I, I, I'm positive because my default is I'm a worrier and I'm, I get really upset. and de- Like I, I go through stuff. Right. So positivity was something that I found because I know myself and my default state. I've told you this how many times? About three I'm, I'm, billion. I'm a warrior and I'm anxious by nature. Right. So when you get on here and you don't do your normal positivity and you're in there and you're mad and you're taking shots at Golden and you're upset because you know you're not going to be able to meet this F1 driver. I'm just kidding. You're not going to be able to meet Ronaldinho, R- Ronaldo's little son, Ronaldinho. Right. So so I have to make a joke about it. So yes, guys, I know who this dude is right he plays for my he played for my favorite soccer team barca right and reckless cars that's a good question 
I'm always smiling. Reckless cards ask, if you have two, this is an interesting, really nuanced question. If you have two identical cards, say both PSA 10s of, I'm not going to give, I'm going to give two options, but let's say, say both are a PSA 10. How would you determine which to keep and which to sell or trade? Does the age of the slab matter? Does the serial number matter? Overall visual? And I want you to give this answer for three different categories. Ultra modern, which is like 2010 to 2020. Modern, which is like 1996, 95 to 2010. And then vintage, because I think the answer is different depending on what category it is. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, honestly, it's going to be an easy answer for all three of them because the, the question is which one do I keep and which one do I sell or trade, right? So to me, the way the market is going right now, the one with the newer slab is always going to sell for more money, right? So, so if I'm looking to maximize and I don't really care about that that much, as long as I'm on the older slab, I've examined it and it looks good, I can always get that in a newer slab. Right, depending upon the card, and that's exactly what you're talking about. So now we're going to go into your layer, right? But there are no modern in an old slab, really. There's no ultra. Oh, modern. There's no ultra modern. So in in, in, in ultra modern, this is very easy, right? Everything's going to be in the same slab. So serial number, 100%. Go with the lower serial number. Overall visual, sure. Even though you could have two PSA tens, we've all seen Lucas that are slightly off centered, that are more than slightly off centered. We've all seen Zions that are off centered but still get a ten, right? We've all seen that. So yeah, it's going to be. Better serial number, overall visual of the moderns when the slab is the same, right? You go back to the 90s, it really does depend on the card. I'm going to go even further, right? So, like, you know, half of me is like, I'll just sell the one that's in a nicer slab because I can always get the other one in a nicer slab. But now what we're seeing is, you know, maybe that card was trimmed. You know, you know, maybe that card, you know, maybe they got different. I mean, I have told these, you know, the story of my SGC Derek Jeter 93 SP mm -hmm. foil a bunch of times now and how, yeah. you know, like, look, maybe, maybe the grading is different on it now. Maybe not only, maybe in an older slab, maybe not only do they say maybe it's trimmed or there's authenticity issues, but maybe they say that, that 10 is really a nine. You know, maybe I get one of those, you know, those jackpots where I'm sending it to PSA and they look at it and say, this doesn't meet the requirements to be a 10. And then now I don't have any 10s. I sold the one in the new slab and I've, I've, I've I left myself with a nine. So that's no bueno. Um, you know, I might think about selling it after I sent it to PSA and got the card in the other slab, but PSA, take, who knows how long it's going to take to do that. And your vintage stuff. So vintage stuff, you know, I try to find like a provenance on, on it, right? So like it depends where you're buying it from. Like, I, I show off you know, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig cards that I've owned for 20 years. They're in, they're in old slabs. Would I prefer to have those? Let's say, let's say you have two of the same Babe Ruth card. Right. In the same grade. Which one yep. would you? So I would sell because if, if it's something I've owned and I know that it's just in that old slab because it's I bought it a long time ago and I can get a premium for the one that's in a newer slab just because that's what people want, then I'm going to sell the one in the newer slab, right? And likewise, if you're thinking about buying, right? If, remember, you have the option of buying two. And we get, I, at least I get this question a lot. Hey, look at these two. I can get this top one for 10 or 20% less than the bottom one because it's in an older slab. And the first thing I would always say to that person is get the story. You know, if you're buying it from someone you trust, find out the story. Where did they get it from? Is it something that's been in their collection for the last 10, 15 years and that's why it's in that slab? You know, take a look. Put the serial number in a PSA. If it's been sold a couple of times, it'll actually be in there. You know, if it's a high enough end card. They'll have kind of like a, a sales history of it. Um, so... 
that's what I look at. I mean, I understand why a newer slab means, especially now, more so than like two months ago. After the golden, you know, Michael Jordan pulled that from the auction thing, you know, people are scared. People would definitely pay premium for a newer slab. You know, if I were buying a Michael Jordan right now, I would have to get it in a lighthouse slab. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a higher PSA serial number because if it's in a lighthouse slab, that means PSA has re-slabbed those old serial which means they took a look at it and it didn't have an issue and they didn't say it wasn't really a 10. So something like that, if you're buying it, yeah, sure, you're going to get a premium. Um, and e even me, I mean... Look, that Charizard yesterday, after I told Andrew about the bidding on it and stuff like that, you know, part of what I told him was, you know, it's in an old slab. And, you know, there are some, some small imperfections on it. And I, I would want it in a new slab. And I would hate to spend that kind of money and send it to uh, PSA and then turn around and say, this is not a 10 anymore. You know, this is this shouldn't have been a 10. It's a 9. You know, we'll figure it out. And then I have what, you know, a couple, hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars worth of, uh, of PSA credit for the rest of my life. I mean, <laughs> I don't do that. Don't trust the current PSA grade, says Ziggy. No, there are so many new graders now. What do you think the average years of experience for a grader? I'm guessing under five years, best case. So, Ziggy, I like that commentary, but here's the, the problem, at least what I see. I mean, you cannot trust the graders, but I would put more stock into that if the grades were coming out lower, right? When, when it's a five, I'm sending it back if it's any type of a real card because you're right. That inexperienced, it's just somebody who's an idiot or whatever the story is, but these inexperienced graders, they're also giving a lot less tens, right? So that's the way it cuts, right? Like, like I would be, I'd be shouting from the rooftops that if, if, if we were getting a ton of tens now and their shoe was on the other foot, I'd be like, look, these guys don't know what they're doing. This card's not a 10. This card's not a 10. But that's not the way it's going. I know I'm going to get called out on this. I know there's going to be people who are like, no, the numbers don't bear that out. I don't care what numbers you give me, all right? I've been grading, <laughs> grading my own cards for a long time. I know what I'm getting back. I know what I've gotten back in the thousands of other cards. We're not getting as many 10s now. And people who have been listening to this and are, they're, they're getting their grades back, they email me. They message me. And they're like, no, look at this. I got like 11% PSA 10s. So Ziggy, you're right. And it might be relevant not to trust their grades. But it's working against us, right? It's, it, you know, they're, they're, if what you're saying, and I'll take it through to its, its reasonableness, if what you're saying is that there's a lot of 9s that should be 10s, well, then you've got an arbitrage opportunity there, Ziggy, to take those nines that you see on eBay or at shows live and send them to BGS or crack them and resend them in. You know what I mean? Crack them and then maybe the next person who has more experience says, that's a 10. Let me um, – so, so Ziggy says I should say I trust the brand, not the grades. The grades are all Magic and Wizards. We pay for the brand on the slab. I want to say one thing. So um, and Cage knows a story. I was sending in a lot of cards last year. Uh, and a lot of the express, a lot of the express was actually, we cracked the cards for BGS and we're subbing them to PSA and we chose two day or five day. This was a LeBron Chrome. It was the Kobe 50th. Um, and all the two day and five day actually came back, uh, lower grades that we expected. We decided when I got a Lucas silver, which was a little bit off centered, but other than that was a beautiful card. We said, let's try something. And this isn't. This is it. This is anecdotal. It's one sample size. So take it for what it's worth. We sent it 20 day. And our theory was this. Yes, I agree. A lot of the graders at PSA have less than five years experience, but I don't think that they're all grading the same types of cards. I think they're training the young graders in value subs and uh, 20 day and the experienced traders are handling uh, graders are handling five day, two day and express. That's my own theory because that Lucas Silver came back at PSA 10. And I think if we sent that five day, it would have been a nine. 
one sample size of one. So take that for what it's worth. I like it. Hey, are you having fun? Always, always. I got my soda. I'm almost done here. It's great. Should we rebrand this cola with Cage? No, come on now. People don't. People yeah. won't get that. I like the coffee with Cage. It's cool because coffee about, applies. It's like a what about Coke, Coke and Cage? Oh yeah, that would be great. A little, a little Coke with Cage. You give them the wrong impression. So uh, yeah, well, you don't drink. You don't do drugs. You know, you're uh, you're off that. We're, we're not, that was a previous life. That was put a previous me, life. We don't talk put, about that. Put me on the dollar bill. I'm such. I'm so good. <laughs> there you go. You read this piece. one. Drake's PC asks, how important is it to collect active players to stay engaged in the hobby? Or can you keep the same amount of engagement and enthusiasm collecting retired Hall of Famers? I mean, Drake, that depends on you, right? So, so it depends what you want to do with your collection. If you want to have that, that gambling type of you know, action going on the weekends or during the games, then the retired guys are not going to do that for you, right? You know, if, if you want to have a segment of your collection – um, you know, I want to I, I, I want to watch the Ravens game because I want to see what happens to my Lamar Jackson stuff. You know, if you're sitting on the sideline saying you collected Drew Brees, for example, right? I'm pretty sure Drake might have collected Drew Brees. That's um, his next question. That's literally his next question. Yeah, yeah Saints I, I, try collected Brees. I try to know who people collect. Well done, so, Cage. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, we can get into that, right? So, I, I, um, you know, I find this question actually being asked a couple of times is a great question, Drake. Because I, I think people are – they love what the folks who were on Giannis are feeling now. They see Rips. They see him get memed by Lameem James, and it's Giannis saying, hey, you've been with me since the beginning here. Buy, buy this. Here's some money. Here's some money. And that's a feeling people want to chase, and you can only get that with those current guys, right? But for every Giannis investor – there are a lot of other investors whose team didn't win the championship and may not ever win the championship. There's people who are in Lillard. There's people who are buying Bradley Beal, like my co-host here. There's people who are who are in you know a million other guys, right? Who um, you know who may not ever get that. And yeah, I mean you get to root for them, um, but really it depends on what you want to. Do. I will always buy retired guys for part of my collection, the Hall of Famers, because to me. No matter who wins, when Giannis wins, right, his cards go up in value, right? It, there's only so much they can go up without making Hakeem Olajuwon cards go up because that's who he's going to be compared to. People are going to say, look, he's like Hakeem. He's got the defensive player of the year, but, but Hakeem won too. So how can you have Giannis? And, blah, 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 you know, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a necessary thing that happens when there's like a level resetting. Um, and, but yeah, they're not gonna. Like, yeah, Hakeem Olajuwon. I, I, I think I think you do it right, Cage. Like as you're answering this question, I'm thinking about your collection. Cage has like the same type of player, but he has the vintage and the the modern guy. Yep. The modern guy. So he's kind of like he he has a hedged bet. Yep. But it's it's really interesting how you do that. I, I just realized this as yeah, you're answering this question. But I also mix in some fun, right? I mix in a guy like like when I've invested in Devontae Graham. For three dollars a card, like that's a long shot play, and that was fun for me because I would watch the games, and when he scored forty against the Nets, I'm like, "Holy cow, I'm right!" You know, like I were you going I, nuts? I hit the daily triple, you know, like I was like at the, I was at, I was at the racetrack, you know, and all, all three horses that came in, I had them all, you know, it was that kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's cool to have that stuff, right? It's cool to have that kind of thing in your in your. It depends what you want, Drake, right? If you're a fantasy guy and you want to replace fantasy with this stuff. And you want to get on Star Stock and buy some guys that week, and if they do well, sell some guys. There's always room for that in your PC, right? I think there's room for all of it, right? Like a like a high risk baseball prospector that you know may take two or three years to pan out, a football rookie, you know, 
um, you know, where it gets me is the rookies that are already. I mean, Justin Justin Herbert costs as much as like you know Joe Montana now, so some of it doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, I'm sure people are making money on Herbert. You know um, what happens when you bet on juiced horses, Cage? What happens? The, a, they new get the race. a new outfit in town shows you uh, teaches you a lesson. Yeah, I guess. Have you ever seen Lucky Number Eleven, Cage? No. You haven't no, seen it? No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not a big Josh Hartnett fan. You boycotted an amazing movie because you don't like this one a- actor. I'm sure I've seen it. You know, I'm sure You're, I've seen it, but I, it's just it, it's not one. You watch Lucky Number Seven? No, I'm not a Josh Hartnett fan. Yeah, I mean, it's just we're secretly meaning that you are a Josh Hartnett fan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's very handsome. But as a Saints fan, I collect the Breeze. Now he's retired to collect Saints quarterbacks. My choices are Winston Hill. So I just took with Breeze, even though he's retired, or one of the other two. Or it's a cliffhanger, Drake. It's a cliffhanger. Or, <laughs> or do you go with, I don't know. I with Breeze, even though he's retired, or do I go with Winston or Hill? Or do I move to a skilled player like Alvin Kamara? I apologize. Oh, I like it just it didn't fit on the I screen. I like that. So I would never invest in Winston or Hill, really. I mean, I thought maybe Winston had a shot, and you know, he he could be kind of like a one of those like real hail mary type of plays, where you know you might be able to you know go in there and pay for a salad and get those crab legs for free on Jameis. You never know. You know, he might get you free crab legs. Do you know why that's funny, Andrew? Um. So so yes. okay, good. So so, but Taysom Hill, no. Um, I think Kamara is cool. If, if you're not, what a, you're not a believer. That you have to be a Saints investor, Drake, right? Is that your team? So you have to invest in the Saints. I wouldn't be investing in Winston or Hill. I'd be investing in Kamara. But you know what? You kind of need Winston to perform for Kamara to be relevant. You know, I, I think I think I already heard Michael Thomas is going to miss the beginning of the season. That's a cool guy to invest in as well. Um, but no, Drake, you know what I would be doing if I were you? I'd be looking for the next True Breeze. Like, I'd be looking for another guy like that. You know, I'd be looking for somebody. Or maybe this year you're not a huge football investor. You do a little bit of of somebody outside your team, and maybe next year there's someone on the Saints. Maybe they got to go to a different quarterback. Maybe they draft the quarterback, and that could be the guy who's active that you're investing in. You know, it sucks when your guy leaves, especially you were lucky enough to be a, uh, to be a Breeze guy and, and be a Saints fan and, and watch Breeze play because Breeze was one of those guys that, that's a blue chip. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys that, you know, that was obviously a good investment. I think he stays relevant in the hobby too. And, uh, you know, I think he's relevant to the sport, and uh, and his cards will continue to slowly, gradually climb. Whew. Let's see. Blessed Splint Splinter says, Hey, guys, I've been away working quick softball here. What's your take on the 2019 Fernando Tatis Jr. Tops Heritage number 517 action variation? I've been looking at it for the last few months. I like the card. With there being so many versions of modern cards, how can one be certain which image will end up holding the most value over time beyond the pop reports? It's a great question. What? What's the matter? Oh, I'm on mute this whole time. Yeah, you were on mute, but that's okay. I oh, like the okay. So, 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 so. I, by the way, blessed splinter. Check out this guy's profile picture. This is awesome. I mean, I like it. Look at this guy. He looks like a happy dude. If you're at the national, dude, I'll buy you a drink. Let's go. I'll party with this guy. So, so, so. Anyway, so so for your for your question, it's a great question. It's something everybody should pay attention to, right? Because while I love that card, the action shot, and the heritage is a cool card, I will tell you that even buying the Topps flagship that I bought was sort of a mistake, right? I look back on it now and say, wow, that that's sort of a mistake because the demand is on the Chrome, 
And this is one of those pitfalls with modern cards that you just never know. And who knows what it might switch to next year. You know, maybe your heritage version is the one that people will actually want. I doubt it. Right now, maybe people want sapphire versions of these cards. I mean, it's just, it's insane what the story is. And and honestly, you know, if you have to buy something, I'd stick with like the Topps Chrome card and, and its variations. But I'm almost at a point with with modern cards, especially baseball, where if I'm not buying the Topps Chrome, I'm not buying it. Because it's too much of a game of chance, right? That's part of the reason I stick with my money in vintage as well. Because you know what the card is. You, you, know, you know where to invest in somebody. Um, and anything after, you know, the 90s makes it very, very difficult. I mean, you know, you're lucky that, you know, the tops chrome for basketball, like Kobe, LeBron. There are a lot of cards those years. A lot of them. But there's one card that has stood out as the, you know, the, the quote-unquote base rookie card for those guys. Right now, I guess in baseball, you probably would say it's tops chrome, but... Who knows? Two years ago, it wasn't. It was just top paper. It was just the flagship. Um, and maybe that's because Trout just hasn't really been Trout for the last couple of years. So no one's using the Trout paper update as the measuring stick. Maybe that kind of took some steam out of the paper. I don't know. Lucky number 11. Is it on Netflix? Ziggy, it's not. It's on Amazon Prime. You could buy it, I think, for like $3.99 or rent it for $3.99. Uh, let's ask. So Joe Vargas asks, will Pedro, Big Unit, Mad Dog, Greg Maddox, Refractor cards ever get a boost? Dude, there's another mosquito in here. This is unbelievable. Will Pedro, Big Unit, Mad Dog, or Greg Maddox refractor cards ever get a boost? So it's tough, right? Because pitchers, I love pitchers, but you guys have seen. I mean, I talked about like the Mariano card, which is a clear rookie and the whole deal, right? And it went up and then went right back down. And he's he's like the the pinnacle of pitching. I know he's a reliever, but you know, unanimous Hall of Famer. Pitchers just don't get love. They should. And the guys you named, like Pedro was as dominant for a time as any pitcher that's ever pitched. Right? Big unit. What an imposing pitcher. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. And Greg Maddox, cerebral, you know, win total, you know, that is probably not going to be approached for quite some time, uh, if ever now, the way they use pitchers. Well over 300 wins for Maddox. I love Maddox. And Maddox, you're lucky. Maddox has a refractor in the original refractor set. Right, one of those green all-star cool 1993 finest refractors, um, and I like the you know the, the the refractor cards for these guys. But unfortunately, Joe, if I'm if I'm giving you you know my advice, you know my deal is, you know people have a limited amount of money to go around, and the the time that these guys played, you're know, talking about the you know the late 80s, early 90s. Like Maddox is like 1987. Um, you know, uh, his rookie and like the traded stuff and big unit was 89 and Pedro was slightly after that. Um, there's just too many other guys, right? Yeah. Look, I, I find the PMG credential, super rare, super rave. Though they're all great too. I would, I'd go a step further, Adam, for somebody like Maddox, I'd buy the, the tops Tiffany, uh, same thing with the 89 tops, um, Tiffany on Randy Johnson. And the same thing with Pedro. That's where I would go if I were going with guys. But but I still wouldn't buy them because think about who else was playing during that time. Think about the mid '80s to 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 the mid '90s. You know, people who are who are buying that time and collecting, they're buying Griffey, right? They're buying Griffey cards. They're buying Bonds cards, Clemens cards, McGuire cards. Like, there's just too many baseball guys from that genre. Do the same thing with basketball, right? Do the same thing with basketball. 
and the guys you just named, right? People don't do this because everybody loves baseball. Baseball guys love their guys, and it's fine. But Andrew, you can help me with this. Baseball, mid '90s to early 2000s, right? So we got Kobe and LeBron. Tell me the other guys, right? Tell me the other guys. I'm just every time you say Tiffany, like to tell people to buy the top Tiffany. Uh, I think of the Dwight Schrute uh, line from the episode where he's the perfect crime. Like my perfect crime is what's my perfect crime? I break into Tiffany's at midnight. Do I go for the vault? No, I go for the chandelier. It's priceless. As I'm taking it down, a woman catches me. She tells me to stop. It's her father's business. She's Tiffany. I say, no, we make love all night. Oh my God. I mean, you remember that episode? <laughs> okay. Yes. Back to your question. No. So, but nine, nine, did nine, I do nine, a good job? Did I do a great good job. job? You did a good job. You are, you are definitely the Dwight truth in this equation here. So you've done a very good job on being Dwight. All right, Jim Halbert. So basketball. I don't know. I'm more Stanley. I like Sudoku. So, but here you go. Late nineties. Right. So I'll, I'll, I'll do this so we can move this along. Ray Allen. Right. Allen Iverson. Maybe. Sure. Right. Who else is in this in this mix here? Marbury. Like who else Tim is Duncan. in the mix? Tim Duncan. Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. David Robinson. You know, eh, Robinson's a little early. He came in 1990. Shaq, maybe. You know, like he. I mean, in 91. A bunch of other people, right? So yeah, Robinson's rookie card. Chris yeah. Webber, Sharif Abdul Rahim. Um, yeah, so you have Chris Webber, Sharif Abdul Rahim. So those guys. Garnett. Garnett. Those guys are exactly what you're 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 talking about with Maddox and these other guys, right? So Kobe, huge hobby love, right? LeBron, huge hobby love. Even Iverson gets a little bit of hobby love. But those guys are the Griffey, right? Those guys are the Jeter, right? Maddox, unit, the guys you named, they're the Ray Allen, who Vince. doesn't get much hobby love, right? You know? And they're great players. They were all decade teamers, right? They were great, great, great Hall of Fame players. But there's only so much hobby money to go around. And, I mean, I learned this the hard way, too, because I, when I came in, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy some baseball guys. I'm going to buy, you know, like Yogi Berra. Mariano Rivera. You know I mean? But Mariano, he's also another baseball guy. And I've learned with that that, you know, people don't love pitchers. And people want the home run hitter. And people want, you know, people want the big bobber. So Okay, I'm almost bored of baseball, but can go. you answer this last one? Oh, Dennis nice. Patrick Zender asks, will Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Roger Clemens get inducted into the Hall of Fame? Clemens and Bonds have one more shot this year. Are their cards worth a play? DPZ, if I had a vote, I'd say yes, right? And, and deep down, I hope that the baseball writers just basically said, we're going to make Clemens and Bonds wait until their last year of eligibility because obviously they're, they deserve to get in on their numbers. They both deserve to get in on their numbers, even if you cut off their careers when they started to become – steroid monsters you know like Barry Bonds was a was 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 a Hall of Fame player even before that I know it's tough to kind of split hairs on that and, and do all that other fun stuff but they deserve to be in and you know it's an interesting interesting thing right because a lot of these sports writers they they you know they'll tell you that they're trying to preserve the sanctity of the Hall of Fame it's a damn museum guys seriously it's a museum and I'm a baseball lover like you wouldn't believe I talk about baseball history all the time right but the fact that, that Clemens and Bonds, if they don't get in, then it really is, is not worth going. It's, really, it's, I mean, it's not really worth anything, right? And how do you have a museum that doesn't have that? And hell, I would even um, – it's not your question, DPC, but I'd put Pete Rose in. It's a museum. I'm not telling him you can go and, and have him manage again or be involved in the game, but it's a museum to commemorate baseball. 
currently. Yeah, but the, but kids go and then they're like, Dad, Mom, who's this? So you this? tell the kids a story. What do we? we, we uh, you, and then you're like, It's Pete Rose. He used to gamble on the game, and which I don't think is as big of a deal as people make it out to be, unless he threw games, which is a huge deal. But anyway, then you have to explain to your kids, and then now you're the role models for these kids are people that we don't necessarily want them looking up to. What? That's their point. Real quick, that's their point. That's not my personal opinion. Okay, I get it. But that that makes them idiots, right? So, but here's my opinion on it, right? Baseball has not more idiots than whoever's running that whole uh, Ronaldinho shindig in National. Oh, you get a Ronaldinho, you get a Ronaldinho, you get a. It's like Oprah. <laughs> Everybody gets a Ronaldinho auto. So, but but listen, honestly, the uh, growing up as a kid, baseball records they were you know you knew who held the records, right? You knew who had the most hits in baseball, you knew who had the most home runs in baseball, you knew the record for the most um, home runs in a season. Do you know what those three are now? Who has the most I hits? I know very most hits. Ichiro. In, no. <laughs> if you count as Is it not Japan. Ichiro? No, no. Because he came over here. He already had like 1,500 hits in Japan. Oh, so, okay. so That's not fair. if you count his hits in Japan, sure. But no, so I do this for a reason. The home run leader for season and career is Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds and yep. if he doesn't get voted, he's not in the Hall of Fame. 74? 73. The guy who hit the most hits in a career is Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Not in the Hall of Fame. So so if they don't put Bonds in and you have a Hall of Fame that, that celebrates records, right, and record performances and the best players ever, you now have a museum that has kept out the person who had the most hits, the person who has the most home runs. Like, they might as well open up a museum down the street and call it the real Hall of Fame and put those guys in. Um, I hope they can sponsor Lucas Tigers and Bronze while they're at it. So, uh, guys, I know there's a ton of uh, baseball questions in the comments. I'll try to get to them, but we're at 50 minutes, and <coughs> I just want to go through a few topics. Jimmy Raptor Gems asks, best product of the year so far and worst. I'm not sure if he's trolling you here, but my vote for best is Formula One because of the design and all the major hits. Worst for me is Prism NBA because of the terrible quality. Can I add a little layer on top? Just based on what Jimmy said, because I haven't seen the Formula One product, the fact that he, the, the Formula One product left, left this impression, I wonder if that had something to do with the run-up on the cards. Because there were a lot of major hits. People love that. Cool. Go ahead. Take, take it away. Yeah. So best product of the year, Chronicles, in any sport you want. Because it's something you can open. It's something that has, uh, you know, whoever, whatever sport you want in it, it's got, you know, chock full of the stars. You could open it with your kids, which is what everybody's always talking about doing. I opened some basketball with Ian and got like Zion, Luca, LeBron, all in the same pack, right? And you open it and you don't care about what you're grading. It's the first time I've had that feeling of opening something with Ian in a while where it's like, hey, he just liked the cards. He liked the roll cards. He liked getting a Zion. It's shiny and you name it and you're not breaking the bank. And you could still pull something pretty cool in there. But, uh, you know, that's the, uh, that's my, my, my best. My worst, I'm going to say it's UFC Prism, right? Um, nothing really crazy wow. in there. Nothing really great in there. You know, uh, I, and I like the Color Blast, and I did really well, you know, um, in the one box that I did break. But they didn't really do anything with it. You know, like they, they could have gone outside of the inserts that they have for everything else. You're bringing a new sport in there, right? Like think about it. Look at what Tops has done with it and build on it, right? Like, why wouldn't you do some sort of cage thing? Hell, get Joe Rogan a card. Tops hadn't had Joe Rogan on a card since I think Moment of Truth in 2011. You know, think of the opportunity missed there. He's a UFC employee. You got that UFC license. 
you know, get a card with Dana White and Joe Rogan on it. I mean, think of that. Think of the first Prism Gold Chrome autograph Joe Rogan with his popularity now. I mean, like, just how about something with a cage? You know, how about, you know, I mean, I know no one cares about relics anymore, right? But how about doing a piece of the cage? That, the last time Topps did that was 2010. They had cage relics. They're about this thick, right? Topps also had grill gear, right, which was used mouthpieces in a card. Yeah, a fighter used mouthpiece slabbed in a card. 100%, man. So, so they, I, I don't like Prism because everybody jumped all over it for UFC, but I've been doing UFC cards for over a decade, and no, there were some cool stuff, and, and Prism could have done that. And before we jump off this, right, so Jimmy Raptor Gems. Let me tell you a little fun story. It's like, and this is for everybody with the F1. Okay, so here you go, Cage. Cue the drum in, roll. Cue the drum roll. F1 may be the greatest sport ever, and it may be the best thing in the world to invest in. But you guys who are buying this F1 product, be careful. And here's why. You ready? Here's why I say be careful. I have been investing in sports cards where there was not a sports card set before this. Right? I've done this before. All right? There, this is the first foray to a major brand doing F1. Now, we've seen that's the double coverage if you're listening. I know you guys broke the, what was it, tracks? I think was the name of the brand. Yeah, here comes F1. There you go. And they broke a cool thing, and there was a product, but it's like a, it's like an ancillary product. I'm going to draw a corollary here, okay? And I want you guys to make sure you see this, right? I'm going to draw a correlation, right? F1, major release since the 90s. Exactly. Apart from match attacks, just click. They dropped Dynasty, then followed up with Chrome and Sapphire. Netflix show, COVID helped get eyes on it. Yes. So you're making my point, right? When round one came out in 2009, for, for UFC, I'm going to draw a correlation to, between what's going on with F1 now, okay? When that happened, it was the hottest thing in the world because there were cards before, just like your your the cards you have from Uncle Larry, right? You know, and the Michael Schumacher rookie, right? I there only have cards. an Uncle Egot. There were cards. <laughs> double covers is what I'm talking about. There were cards. There was pride cards that, that predated it. There were other UFC, you know, MMA type of cards, right? But there was not a major release like you had this year with F1. But here's what happened, right? The cards were all hugely valuable in 09, right? They were, they were huge because you wanted a George St. Pierre auto. This was the first time you got it. Everyone was a rookie. But you wanted a George St. Pierre. That was the place you had to go to get it, right? You wanted a, a, um, a card of, of Anderson Silva. He was in there. You wanted an autograph of BJ Penn. He was in there. You wanted an autograph of the Ring Girls, Ariane Celeste, right? You want, they were in there, and they sold for a ton of money, right? And then round two came out, and it had some rookies. It had John Jones. It had Brock Lesnar's first autograph in it. But it also had a George St. Pierre in round two, also 09. It had an Anderson Silva. It had a BJ Penn. It had a Randy Couture. It had those guys who were in that first set, right? Then came main event, which was in 2010. And then came round four, which... People don't call it's just called 2010 Tops. It's a white box. And at that point in time, Tops knew that it had caught on. Just like Tops knows now that F1's caught on. And they produced the hell out of it. Like you could still get those boxes sealed, probably pretty cheap. Tops, two that is a white box. John Jones is on it, I think. Right? So, so, so those packs, there were so many of them. The autos are kind of cool. They got like, you know, a gold RNG background, the, the fighters you know, face and, uh, you know, a little white on the bottom where they put the sticker auto. And it still had a nice crop of rookie autos. It had, um, it had Kane Velasquez, 
who was the heavyweight champ that beat Brock Lesnar. He had his first auto in it. It had Chel Sonnen's first auto in it. It had some really good first autos in that, in that set. But it was so mass-produced that what happened was this, right? Anderson Silva was in it, right? Anderson Silva was now, it's his fourth in two years, right? Maybe a little less than one year in the calendar. His fourth product with auto and now a mass-produced auto. George St. Pierre in there. And it used to be you needed to spend $1,000 or more to get the auto of Anderson Silva in that 09 UFC, the first one that came out. Now the Anderson Silva auto is 40 50 bucks. And you know what it does? It brings down the value of the other one. Because there's more options for people to buy. You get this, right, Andrew? So it used to be that's the one product. Then there were two. Then there were three. Then there were four. And the fourth one, third one, they're more mass-produced. And the Anderson Silva fans, the George St. Pierre fans, they now have more options. Sort of like Top Shot. Series 1, when it was the only thing there and demand came in, all of a sudden the prices went up. Everybody wants a, a Hamilton auto. Everybody wants a Leclerc auto. Everybody and there's only one to get auto, in the beginning. Right? And, and there's it. only that's one to get in the beginning. All the demand is rushed to that one product. Well, guess what? Yep. Panini knows it. Panini sees it. And, and in a year, there's going to be four Lewis Hamilton cards. Yep. And yes, this will be the rookie and it will always carry the premium. But what happened when Series 2 of Top Shot came out? And all of the different moments kept coming out, you name it. And there were more ability to buy Giannis. And, and there's more ability to buy these other ones. You know what happens? Those are cheap. But the first ones also come down in price because yep. the people who want to get in on it have more options to get in. Well, and the demand like this. is now satisfied. Go ahead. So first off, guys, go back and listen to that shit because you, you, you just kind of dropped the mic on like market dynamics. And this is back to our initial topic. I love how you dovetailed that release into Top Shot and it literally brings it full circle into what we always talk about. It's not – it's being on every platform and watching how it works. That was brilliant. Um, I think instantly as soon as there's a new release, people do the ask themselves this question. Do I, do I pay this price for the rookie or do I look for another option? And the fact that there's even another option is what caused Series 2 prices, uh, Series 2 release to drop uh, Series 1 prices. It happened instantaneously almost. Yep. And that's going to happen with F1 because you know what Panini does. I mean, you know what Tops does. They're not going to stop. They're not going to stop releasing stuff. Yes, there should be an auction. That should result in a lawsuit for price fixing. It's interesting. Zig. I don't think they're fixing the prices, but I mean, we'll see. I'm sure there are plenty of lawsuits out there. The auction thing doesn't really matter to me. You know, it's 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 pricing dynamics, right? And and I could do Top Shot was just the first thing that came to my brain because it was the first thing recent that only had that one release. And then when the second release came out, there are more options, right? That's what I compare F1 to now. Uh, the, the UFC thing is a better one, but people aren't going to understand the market dynamics of that one because it's over a decade old. Like I was buying that stuff when that happened. I remember thinking to myself, why is the Anderson Silva rookie auto going down? And then realizing it was because if you type Anderson Silva the tops UFC auto in eBay, it used to be that was the only one that came up, just like what's happening now with F1. But after a year, that's not what happened. And when people have more choices, that demand can be satisfied because – now it's like, oh, wow, it's F1. I'm a Lewis Hamilton guy. Let me go on there. Let me make sure I buy that Lewis Hamilton autograph. But, you know, I'm going to get it for my husband for Christmas. He loves, he loves you know, the Ferrari team. He loves this guy. He loves these guys, right? There will be more options in that soon, and you have to yeah. be careful about that. And uh, Ziggy, it's actually a great point. And what's cool is we get to test this experiment, right? Because it was Top Shot, and this is our next question uh, from Chronic, uh, Chronic Collectibles. Should he liquidate Top Shot for Panini Blockchain? But, but Ziggy, we're going to be able to see the effect of a live auction. Panini has a live auction. Top Shot did it. So we get to see these two things play out. 
I don't think any of us know for certain what will happen, but I think it's a cool experiment. So let me let me, let me take this one really quick, right? So liquidate Top Shot. I made a mistake selling a lot of my Top Shot moments because Top Shot has now they've now done something this week that you know makes me say, ah, oh, I should have held on to some of those things. Like I had a ton of Lamelo. You guys know I'm a Hornets guy. I like Devontae Graham, I like Lamelo. Um, you know, our original Instagram group, when I was watching the games, they used to come in and give the report from the hive. Hey, Devontae dropped 25 points or whatever it is there. I had a LaMelo hollow. Like, I had a bunch of LaMelo rookie cards. And they just announced this week that they're going to dole out the LaMelo gold, the metallic gold out of 499, specifically saving some for people who had the hollow. 25 of the 99 are going to get it. So you have a one in four chance of getting one if you one of the hollows. Another, you know, and, and I have none of them now. And I, because I liquidated, I said, oh, this is not, you know, I'm going to get rid of this. And they're providing utility for the people who didn't liquidate, right? So in the NFT space, the important thing to think about is, you know, the team behind it has to find a way to provide engagement, utility, and flex. Does that make any, any sense to you? So you got to be engaged, you got to provide a usefulness, and you got to be able to show it off. That, those three things are necessary for an NFT to, to, to uh, you know, thrive. Say them again? Engagement, utility, and flex. Right? So you have to be able to have that audience, that 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 community that says that's talking about it, excited about it, pumped about it. You demand. There's gotta be something that goes with it, right? It's gotta be something, some reason, not just this this thing, right? So, you know, when Cool Cats was out there, the Cool Cats Lounge, you know what I mean? Um, and um Panini for the folks who completed a LeBron challenge, they've got this special section in Discord, right? That's utility. That's something that means something. It's you know, it, they're providing some value. Utility and Top Shot. They did the suite at the Suns game five. They're now doing a spot at the draft. You know, they're telling holders of certain moments, you know, that you can get another moment now. You can buy. You can get in packs. You get a certain queue if you're collecting these things. That's providing utility with those moments. It's so now you have that. But flex. That's the biggest thing. You know, Top Shot, people flex their, like, I bought this. They have a Top Shot bot that anytime somebody, and in the beginning, it was like anybody paid more than $25 for a moment. They showed it. It automatically got tweeted out. Then it moved up to 100 then 500 then 1000 Then and, and, you know, what happens around that is you get to repost it. I bought it. Look what Top Shot bot did. People say, hey, repost this. Look, somebody paid this much money. Panini does not have that, right? And they need that for it to, for it to continue, for it to go forward. They don't have really any of those three. The Discord's a little quiet. Um, they don't really have much in the way of utility on their stuff. Um, you know, Top Shot's always talking about like a fantasy game and stuff like that for their utility, but you know, they've been developing that for as long as I can remember and you know, who knows when it's going to come out. Can't even do an auction, right? Um, but that, that would be my criteria. Like if I were coming up with an acronym or whatever it is, it's, you know, it's, you need those things. You need, you need community, utility, and flex. Engagement, utility, flex. Um, Someone just sent me a. I'm not even gonna go there. I'm, go ahead. Let's see. Well, someone just texted me. Uh, it was a screenshot of like the guy who got Ronaldinho to national. He tweeted like, "I'll have a few seats available to participate at dinner with Ronaldinho. The dinner will also include a meet, meet and greet, photos, and autograph. DM me for more info. Uh, take a, take a guess. Cocktails, and dinner, seven thirty, eight thirty. Limited seats available. How much per person? Oh, they're charging for it. Yeah. So now it's not just the 15 consigners. It's also no. like... If you, well, if you want dinner, if you want to go to dinner with Ronaldinho, which makes sense. It's a different category. Uh, I understand why he'd be doing it, but like how much do you think... I think you think know what? Is? I'm very upset by this, and I'm going to DM right now and say everyone at the National 
should be able to have dinner with Ronaldinho. I asked you a should, specific question. You should have dinner with how Ronaldinho. Much, how much do you think it is? Should, come on, man. Ronaldinho, you're listening to this. Have dinner with us all, right? Break bread with everyone. Be a man of the people. How much do I think it is? A thousand dollars. Two, two, 2K. I have no problem with it. Not with something like that. Not an exclusive event. Um, I did. Double coverage. I talked about the Ronaldinho thing yesterday uh, in the beginning, and I talked about my beef with Top Shot not having an offer function and then replying that it's like a huge technology. Uh, let me read the comment. It's uh, it's definitely in their plans, just a really big product lift that require a lot of engineering work and not full alignment on the mechanics of how it would work. That was the response when I asked them, why not add an offer button? I want to say something about NFTs, something that isn't said and is a strategy, Gage, and I want to hear what you think. Uh, we have a few questions, but I, I love how this is flowing. Do you? Are you yeah. tired? No, no. Do you have McDonald's on the way? No, I do. Look, I'm almost on my two liter. Let's rock. Um. I don't remember how you brought this, you brought a topic up earlier. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it had me think of this. Like with Top Shot, I learned that if you could go to latest sales, right? The blockchain is really just a chain of latest sales. And there are cards, NFTs, where there's already a sales history. So, you know, someone bought it for 20 and now selling it for 45. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's one option of things to buy. And I learned this from Top Shot, and now I'm gonna use this here. But there's also moments that have just been auctioned off for the first time. Okay, they have no transaction history. Those are the ones you want to buy because you set a floor. It's true, right? Yeah. Cool. No, uh, I mean that's listen, what I want to say. Very specific. The, the NFT stuff. It, there's, there's, you know, especially in the card world where it's, there's volume of them and there's a lot of them. You know, those sales history, you need that. Right, you need to be able to see that. It's one of the one of the flaws of Panini right now as well. And they're they've you have a sales history. You have yeah, a sales history. in that particular item, and then there's yeah. also like the recent sales. But like you can't click on something and say, "Hey, I'm no. thinking about making an offer on this." Yeah. You know, you know what have similar ones sold for? You know, like in Top Shot, you're able to click on it and you see view sales history, you see the the serial number, what it sold for, and the whole nine yards. You don't have that that uh, searchability yet in in Panini. They need to get there. Uh, for it to be successful because unfortunately for them a lot of the people coming over are exactly the people asking this question right now which is hey liquidate top shot and go over to panini people are used to a certain level of searchability a certain user experience that you know panini should have been able to deliver because they they've now got you call it like second person advantage right like you know the second, second mover, mover. right so so you know they they should have been able to build on everything that that top shot's done not deliver a lesser user experience so well uh, and this actually goes right into a different question and cage remember you called me about um golden's vault yeah so we actually had a question like would we use you asked me a few days ago like is it good that golden is getting into the vault business so adam mcnanny asks are either of you taking advantage of the free pwcc vault submissions i want to touch on this you can answer uh, right after but like well actually answer the question I'll, I'll, I'll go into my spiel after well, I mean, my answer right now is no. I mean, I have a vault. I'd love it if they, you know, messaged me and said, you know, we're going to give you a free year also. It's like those cell phone commercials where the guy walks in and says, hey, I want your best plan and uh, I'm a new customer. And uh, then the guy in the corner says, wait, I'm an existing customer. Why would you take care of him better than you take care of yep. me, right? And then they say, oh, it's the same for both of you guys. Don't worry about it. You both get a best price. So I kind of feel like, um, you know, hey, what about Raven, right? You know, what about what about me? 
um, for wrestling right there. I don't know, I that's a raven? No, no, not that's so raven. Hey, what about raven? You, someone in the chat will get it. You know, one probably of, your boy McNanny. One of the crew out there will get will, will get the line. So, so, um, I'm not taking advantage of it. I'd love for them to give some more clarity around what it means. Like, is it is even someone like me? Is it only for new users, or is it is someone like me who has stuff in the vault? But if I said something new now, you know, when do I have to get it to them? I'll run into um, PWCC at the National and say hello. Uh, Brent, I don't think is going to be there, but Betsy uh, Hugens will be there, as will Jesse. Um, you know, I'd like to meet them. You know, put what about me? What about Raven? William Martin knows. What about Raven? That's I thought it was just that's a Raven you know, from Disney. Like yours, that's a Raven. That's the Disney Channel. Different Raven. You all see the vault handling video where they're just throwing. Yes, who was that? There was a it was a rapper. Was it was it DJ Ski who was in there in their vault who was throwing? throwing was it a rapper? Was, was it, it was DJ I Ski? I, I forget. It was either a rapper, DJ. Was it was it Logic? I don't know who it was, but they had somebody in the vault like throwing stuff around. You drop them in the rafters like Raven. Confucius knows. Yep, that's it. Was, what about me? What about Raven? Right. So um, I wanted to say something. So guys, like, what I love about the hobby is this overlap of kind of traditional what the hobby was all about. And tech, right? Like computer vision technology, golden getting into uh, into vaulting, but it's you got to understand the competitive advantages matter. So, like, why a lot of tech businesses open in Silicon Valley is because you need uh, developers. Okay, that's your main hire, and they pay pretty penny for them, like one hundred fifty to two hundred k a year. Uh, PSA has experience with that, so if PSA is helping Golden create the vaulting software, the technology, people logging in. Because you go to P, uh, PWCC, guys, remember, PWCC started in the Bay Area, and then they moved uh, up to Oregon, right, Cage? Is that correct? Cool. That's why, I, I don't know if you agree with this, PWCC's uh, user interface, their tool, their platform, their marketplace, their vaulting, is really clean. It's really clean. It's fun to use. And that seems easier said than done. So like as people as Golden gets into vaulting and it's like a big deal and all that stuff. Remember, it's his competitive advantage is branding, promotions, and marketing, right? He's a personality. Yep. He doesn't have experience with the tech, and that's a whole different ballgame. So just it's something to keep in mind. For you know, listen. So I'll tell the audience this, right? But it doesn't will, matter, Cage. It matters. Someone has to do it. I'll experiment with all these for all of you guys, right? So people ask, hey, am I liquidating Top Shot and going into Panini? I'll still have Top Shot, right? I mean, I'm not totally liquid. I got to make sure I keep at least 20 in there, you know, to make sure I can give stuff to you guys. But you know, we do joke. that just so that we can help you and learn and the whole deal. And I'll do both. And I will let you guys know that I've taken advantage of the Golden Vault. I'm a longtime PWCC Vault user. Um, if I win something on eBay today, though, I'm sending it to PWCC right now, not Golden, just because you're 100% right. The gold is just not set up yet. You know, I want to see my first stuff get into their vault. I want to see how I'm able to utilize it, how I'm able to get something home quickly to me. You know, what's the system look like? I, I had to be one of the first dozen or so people to send the cards to their vault. So we'll see, I'll, and I'll be able to report back to you guys on it. I will tell you this. Golden appears to be coming for PWCC's lunch. Yes, PWCC, Ken wants your pudding, right? So everything that PWCC was doing, the golden conglomerate is now moving into. The vaulting, they're now moving into. I got an email a couple of days ago from Golden about their private client services as well, which PWCC does. You know, they'll look for a card for you. You want something, you can reach out to them. They have, you know, like account reps 
who will locate a card for you. Golden mm -hmm. is trying to replicate that as well, which makes sense for Which, by the way, guys, I mean, I think it makes sense to plug our friend Eric, Eric Byers, who's one of the best in the game, Hey Holy Hustle. So that, that's a great service, by the way. If you're buying like four or five, six-figure cards, it's a great service. Um, a few more questions here. Guys, I mean, if you're listening to at this point, you're probably going to listen to the end. But remember, you don't have to listen all the way through. We have timestamps on YouTube so that you could go pick and choose. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's got You got to listen to the whole thing because you never know what I'm going to say. You can't not. You got to listen to the whole thing. You have to because I'm going to test you on it when I see you. Ziggy, I'm going to get into your question. He asked about recruiting friends. But first, I want to just quit real quickly. Base prism. Will it ever return to its previous highs? No, but it will move back up, Saucy. And certain guys will be higher than they were because there are base prisms out there of guys who have not reached their peak yet. You know, Giannis came out of nowhere and surprised. I think we're going to have some of that in this year's draft. You know, and, and there are probably some players in the last couple of years. Who knows? Miles Bridges, maybe. You know what I mean? Is a name that we like. You know, um, who might turn around and, and his cards might be worth more in a year, two or three than they are now. So there are certain ones that are going to be better. But current year's stuff, the answer is no. Um, but so I don't know if you ever heard me do this. There's a bell curve that I think is going to happen with the with the base prism. I think it's we're starting to this year going to start to go down because PSA just didn't grade these things. People, you know, the the, the 2021 basketball stuff, the Lamelo Edwards year. There's not a lot of prism psa graded ones because people didn't pay to get them in and psa was closed right and if you go back down the other side of that bell and you go to the 12s 13s 14s even 15s some of those base prisms could hit their highs you know clay's card which is what 750 800 now from 2012 his base prism right if that's what you include in your in your question that got as high as like what 1700 if he wins, if he comes out like a monster this year and goes on a tear and they're in the playoffs and he's shooting three pointers like it's going out of style and they're on their way to win a championship, that card goes over $2,000. No problem because it's so rare. That could go more than a tie, sure. If you're talking if you about, about. Go ahead, please. Because if you think about that card, it hasn't priced in any of Clay's success moving forward, right? It's, all, it's not even about a price of a card. It's about, for these base cards, it's about kind of the pricing of the expectations. And where it settles, like, is, is that is that because I, I personally think that clay card should be a two hundred dollar card. To me, seven fifty for a, as much as I love clay, he's still a Chris Middleton type of guy on that team, and that's pricey. Which actually, by the way, I'm thinking of making Chris Middleton my play moving forward, but I'm still doing some research. No, a few more questions, Gage? Yeah, hundred percent. But saucy, if you mean the recent stuff. You mean you mean base prism market is going to go back up to where it is? I I think you could probably say no, and you could probably expand it outside of base prism and, and talk about like tops paper for the last couple of years also during this PSA boom. I think this is going to be one of those times. You know, people like to call it a junk slab era, right? In beyond junk, right? I'm talking about the base slabs, which aren't exactly junk, right? But that Tatis, you know, I don't know that Tatis was like three fifty, three eighty the paper. Right, I mean, I remember, I remember it selling for that. I don't know if it ever got to four hundred, but what's it at now? It's he, he is, he's, he has thirty home runs. Right, he, he could have won the MVP last year. He yep. most likely will win it this year. You know, he's, he's, you know, potential like fifty fifty guy. Right, he's got thirty. He, he had thirty home runs and twenty steals. He's got thirty twenty in his first eighty two games played this year. 
right? So, I mean, just think about that for a second, right? Because even though they're further along, he missed a bunch of games because he was, remember, he hurt himself when he was swinging, right? So the base he's on is even more ridiculous. Um, I don't know if those cards, and they're not base prisms, but I don't know if those cards ever get back to $400 or close to it. That would have to triple. I mean, if he's not going to get to his, his, his peak price with the season he's having now, I mean, maybe they win a World Series. Maybe, you know, he wins the MVP. And they, but even then, two and change, maybe. So I think that we are in an era now. We've gone through where this grading is crazy and everybody has those, those cards with pops of 19,000, 20,000. Those cards may never go back to their, you know, their, their, their previous high. And it's, it's more than just base prisms. So uh, one more question right after this. But the, will the Dow ever get that high? Maybe not. Okay, so the Dow was high with like Luca and uh, Giannis was seven thousand. Luca was two thousand two hundred. But at the same time, you have guys like Marvin Bagley who might hit a record high this year. But that does that mean that base ever reached his previous high, or the individual stock of Marvin Bagley is going to hit a, a high? Kevin Knox, right? You know these guys who weren't in the run up as much as Luca, Trey, Giannis were in last year, which kind of moved the whole market. There's going to be individual base prism of guys who were 30, 40, 50 bucks that might become 250 and they've never even sniffed that price before. Yeah. Uh, Ziggy wants to know do you actively recruit friends into the hobby? I realize I have actually guided friends away from my hobby, from the hobby. So, yes. I mean, I do. Most of my friends are people who did this as a kid anyway. You know, most people my age, you know, who, who grew up in the 80s, you know, I don't know anybody really who, who didn't collect baseball cards buy cards, you know, buy packs at the local store, ride their bike to the store and get, you know, packs of cards um, because it was your pocket change at the time and every store had them. It wasn't like it is now. It wasn't a, a full-on business. I mean, there were people who did it as a business, but it wasn't a full-on business when I was a kid. Um, and uh, that obviously changed. But Ziggy, no, I mean, I'll recruit anybody into this, um, but not for what you're probably thinking, right? And if you are guiding friends away from the hobby, then maybe what you mean by that is you're guiding them away because there's a lot of pitfalls, there's a lot of ways to lose money, it's harder to make money than to lose than to lose money, and you don't want your friends to get into the hobby and, and lose money. I take it from a different angle, right? I'm, I'm happy to have the hobby in my life. I'll go the Andrew Road for a second, right? And, and it's not all about, like, I'm buying low and selling high, right? You know, think of what the hobby's done for all of us, right? Think of what the hobby, you know, means. We're going to go, I mean... I got I got a thousand friends here, you know. That hopefully I meet every single one of them in Chicago. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, we built up a community, we built up a family, um, you know, and that's all because of these little pieces of cardboard, right? It's all because of the stories that we get to tell, the stories you guys tell us that we get to share, the questions you ask, the answers we give, and and, and so on and so forth. We're gonna do fantasy football league, and that's because of the hobby. And yeah, I mean, I would tell every one of my friends to get into this because who doesn't need a community like that? Who doesn't need a little bit of that positivity in their life as long as you keep it you know, positive on the hobby? And I'm not saying that it's all good. There's definitely some garbage in the hobby. There's definitely some, some bad actors in the hobby. There's definitely some shady stuff that goes on. But I think overall, you know, there are people who do a lot of other things. You know, I'd rather do this on a Sunday than, you know, than golf or, you know, whatever. And you can do both, obviously. It doesn't have to be an or thing. But... But I'll tell every one of my friends to get into this. And, you know, if you got kids, I don't think there's a, a cooler way of, of doing it, right? I build Lego with Ian. and I open cards with Ian, you know, and watch movies. And, you know, this, to me, the, I, I would tell anybody I know without hesitation to go in. I guess if you're, if, if you're asking, you know, do I give a caveat to it? Do I tell them to be careful? Do I tell them that there's, you know, it's easy to get sucked in? Do I tell them to stay away from breaks? 
you know, you know, for certain products, do I, you know, I tell them to do their research? Sure. Um, but I wouldn't tell anybody to stay away from this. No. This is an all-time episode, Cage. You, you, you brought the, whatever that whatever vibe you get when you put on that Giants hat and you finish your Coke Zero. I want Moss, 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 bro. Because you, you straight brought fire. There's probably 15 clippable moments. Uh, the one where you talk uh, top shot and all and the kind of market dynamics and, and get into uh, F1 all time. Few little comments here, guys. So everybody get to every comment, uh, every question. It's just physically impossible. Cage is almost done. Uh, hey, do you think maybe we should do if you know if we find the time, maybe we do like a special national coffee with Cage, like from the national, maybe with some folks there. Maybe we can have the folks who are there, part of Luca Nation, who are there, can ask some questions live while we're there. Maybe we do something like that. I live to serve Cage. I live to serve. I don't Let know any think, other guys. way. I don't know any other way. I mean, especially those of you guys who are in like the Luca Nation, you know, uh, national group who, who, you know, you're in there. Let us know what you think. And if you're listening to this and you're heading to national, send us a message. Uh, you know, message Andrew, message myself, and, and we'll put you in that group. And we'll make sure that we know you're there. And, you know, we'll, we'll find time to, uh, to say hello. Maybe get you involved in a, uh, a Coffee with Cage live episode. You never know. People love you, Cage. People love the Cage. Dude, this says you guys. People love the Andrew too. People love the Goldberg, and he's looking Appreciate fresh to death, guys. guys. Look, he got his hair did. Look at it. Look at it. He looks good. This was a fun one. I got like a like a haircut after getting a haircut. I've only been here for a little while since my last haircut, but I was like, just touch it up a little bit. You know, bop, 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 bop. it was fun. It was it was good. I feel I feel refreshed. I feel ready to go for national. It's gonna be a great week. God, God willing, it's gonna be a great week. Luca Nation, we love you. Thanks, everybody. This episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now nah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.